Well, if you give a party, don't lock the door. Turn out all the lights, cause if you don't let my voice inside, it's going to be a fight. Well, we started out this morning, we're going to rack some heads. Some the names know that to call the heat, and now we're laying dead. Well, if you give a party, don't lock the door. Turn out all the lights, cause if you don't let my voice inside, it's going to be a fight. Greetings and salutations and welcome to a very special edition of Crashing the Party with your host, Mark. And Miriam. And why is it special, you may ask? I'm asking. It's special because we have a guest tonight. And he is Jack Strong, the Philadelphia legend in Duwapville. And we'll get to him in just a little while. First, we're going to play some Philly records to get you in the mood, so... Let's go. Boom, 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 boom,
Dreamers on Grand from 1955 and 535. Ooh, Bef- it's a goodie. 
That's a good yes. Before that, Ernie and the Halos, the girl from across the sea, Angel Marie, that was on Gaiden. What are you favorite? The guy, yes, the guy tones did Baby I Don't Care from 1958 on Deluxe, and we started the show with the craziest bass performance ever on a record of any sort in the Cordell's The Beat of My Heart, which was re-recorded as Heartbeat by the Whirlwinds on Phillips, the Cordell's was on Bargain, and then re-released in the mid-70s by Louis Silvani on the reactivated Times Square label. Your turn. All right. Well, I think I might join you in Philadelphia as well, and let's start off with a longtime favorite of yours and mine and everybody else out there who's tuning in today on this very special Crash in the Party with Jack Strong coming right up, right after this set. So let's listen to the Fabulaires while walking. <laughs> Yeah, such a hard rock, my 
your many charms Please, baby, please don't give my heart a alarm You know that I love you Love, love, love you so But baby, I never want to let you started off with the Fabulaires, of course, while walking on Mainline, 1957, followed that up with another super major big classic and one of the great anthems to the Big Fat Mama, yeah, pretty baby, the Gazelles on Gotham, 1956, and we had the Dreamers Tears in My Eyes, the other side of 535 that Mark played over there on the top side of the whole darn program, 1955, as he said, on Grand, and we wrapped up with the Rebels False Alarm, and it's no false alarm when we tell you that we are just about to, drumroll please, introduce someone very, very special. We've been waiting for this day. Mark, why don't you give a big introduction to our special guest? Welcome to Crashing the Party, Jack Strong, Philadelphia doo-wop legend. We want to get started with your very early years, and I know your first group had a fantastic name, The Violators. (laughs) Which we were just laughing about over here because yeah, we thought I was, I was making some notes, you know, anticipating being here, and I went back and taxed my memory. <laughs> and uh, the uh, you know, it was interesting talking with you. And I, my first um episode and and recording was uh, a gentleman who lived across the well, kid who lived across the street from me, as his his um. Cousin lived in West Philadelphia, right where uh, Danny and the Juniors, the Lydells, Building the Essentials, those guys all, all were from. I was like right outside the city, like a quarter of a mile outside the city limits. And the first time I ever set um, foot in a studio, these guys asked me to play guitar. I had a guitar when I was about 14, and I wasn't real good at it, but that's all you had to do was be able to strum a few chords. And that's why I went down to uh, Reco Art, which is a legendary place in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played guitar for these guys and they recorded two songs. One was Wild Walking, 
uh, they, I didn't know these songs, you know, and the other was We Belong Together, you know, Your Mind. They called it Your Mind. And uh, it, I don't have a copy of it. It was never put out. It was only a dub. But that was my first introduction to uh, recording. And I just kind of fell in love with it from, from that episode. I I wanted to get back in that room. I really, really was taken with the uh, behind the scenes, like how it all worked and everything. So the Violators was a couple guys I went to high school with. What was them, that? One we're, of them. Huh? Oh, so, oh, sorry, Jack. Uh, could you tell us what year this is that we're talking about now that you first yeah, played? The, the year I went down to studios, I'm, my best of my recollection was about 1960. And uh, I know I wasn't driving because I had to take the amp and the guitar down on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> The violators uh, were from high school and I graduated 63. So okay. we're ta I'm talking maybe 61, 62, because we were singing like Wizard of Love, Twist and Shout, Baby Blue, The Echoes, uh, you know, of course, Teenager in Love and that, that kind of stuff. So that was, and uh, we, we were, just learning, you know, how to sing. You know, we were learning how to harmonize. I had a guitar, so I, I knew how to make a chord. Didn't know really what the notes were, but you know, I was a sponge. You know, I listened to Everly Brothers, uh, all the, the pop stuff, a white sport coat, and the, and we try to emulate all those chords. And, you know, and, and that's, and then I was, you know, kind of like teaching these guys because I was the guy that was infatuated with this whole thing of music and the, and we're singing in folk places i mean we don't know the difference between where you can sing and where you can't sing and we went into this club one night it was like a beatnik club and got up and sang twist and shout you know and all these guys that drank a cappuccino and reading poetry that didn't make any sense you know and we're like what the hell is this you know a long, long coat on in the summertime and all Snapping their a, fingers. We had a ball. We were very, we lived very close to Villanova University, mm -hmm. which is a major university. And that's where all these coffee people came from, you know. <laughs> that's where I, ate, I had my first espresso and spit it out. And like, what the hell was this stuff? <laughs> wow. Uh, that's the, that was the violators. And we sang at a couple of dances, and um, that was the end of that. Were you, you know, so many of the photographs of, of you in, in all of the, the different groups, you know, you're wearing those kind of uh, drapey black leather coats, you know, it seems yeah. like it would have been perfect for the violators, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, we were, we were wannabe hoodlums. Yeah, <laughs> greasers maybe, huh? Well, you know, what's funny, one of the gentlemen is dead now, the other one lives in Maine. And... Uh, we were all mama's boys. All, all the fathers weren't, they were there, but they weren't there, if you know what I mean. So we were all mama's boys and mama's were working. So we were just free to just get in a car and go. I mean, we went anywhere at the drop of a dime, you know. How we survived, I don't know, but that's, you know, we just had no uh, inhibitions about, you know, singing on a corner or doing anything, you know. We never got arrested, so I guess we did something right. Mm -hmm. Was this totally a cappella with you guys? With the guitar, I would I would play the guitar. Wow, are there are there photos of that? I didn't see any on. There's uh... one uh, from a dance, and I'll be glad to send it out to you. It's oh, not a real good one, but I'll I'll send you all this stuff in a package. Like all right. It's done. 
Okay. Wow. Super great. Yeah. So uh, the violators ended up uh, evolving into the litations. Is that right? Yeah. The light. The, one of the guys in the violators uh, was had was singing in a group in Ardmore, which was three miles from me. And like I said, we were both in high school together. So they invited me up to uh, sing one day, you know, at this kid's house. And that was one, that was kind of my baptism into this thing called doo-wop because this guy, the house we went to was going to business school with the Val. His name was Bobby Bentliff. He's still, still alive, God bless him. He had records, I, I thought I knew something, you know, I thought I knew music and you know, I listened to radio intently and I had people in, on my street that I would borrow the records and can you let me play them? And I would try to decipher them and, you know, but he has stuff like uh, Life is But a Dream, The Earls. Um, I, I'm like, what the hell? I mean, you know, Bob will lose Wedding Day. <laughs> what the hell is this stuff? And, you know, and I just never heard anything like that. And I just went, I fell in love with it. I just fell in love with it. And uh, he's the one that led me to Val. You know, he said, you think I got some records? Where do you see this guy I go to school with? <laughs> little did he know that was going to be a magic combination that was the yeah and that was the so and i was writing at the time i always loved to write for, you know poetry but i would probably write all the time and yeah these guys were nice enough to let me you know let me write some songs and and sing some songs one of the guys was a piano player and a sax player and he was really my mentor in telling me what I was trying to do. You know, I, I, I want to hear this and, oh, well, this is how you do that. You know, I sing this, he sings that, you sing that. And he was really the one that broke the code to music to me. Uh, Unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. Uh, so were, and, was there a lot of this going on? Were you like, were you performing or, or no. uh, there was no, you guys were the only game in your neighborhood? We never performed. We were just like self. Well, we performed on a Steel Pier on a TV show yeah. later on. Yeah. But it, that was never the intention. It was just fun. It was just fun to get together and sing. And uh, right. all these guys had jobs. You know, the one guy that was the musician, now he was in a band. So they worked. Um, and the rest of them just, you know, who was going to business school, we were in high school. And we would just get together. It was just a complete escape from reality, you know, to try to sing these tunes. And uh, then with the influx of all this doo-wop that was going in my head, you know, all those songs like, you know, The Girl I Love and uh, Look Into the Sky. I mean, I could almost give you the genesis of where they came from, even though at the time I didn't know it. But it was all going in my subconscious and, you know, I love the uh, I love the, the bell off or scale off. You know, do 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 do, and I love that in the song. And I also loved a lot of the group singing, rather than just doing oohs, you know, and ahs. I wanted them to sing words. So that, Were you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Were you going to Times Square Records in New York at that time? Not right then. After I met Val. Uh -huh. the, so Val took the, you the, up there. The baptism, uh, my real baptism, was when I met Val. And, and like what I said, we were we were doing all acapella with the Litations. 
although this guy Billy had a band. That's why that's why our first records have the music behind them because he had a band. And he wanted to hear the band in the studio as much as we wanted to hear ourselves sing in the studio. So it was like, hey, we get the best both worlds. You know, we get here to have the band sounds and we get to hear how we sound, right? Yeah. And it was like 20 bucks an hour, you know, to, to do that. But when I met Val, he was like a, a, a guy on vinyl drugs, like, like shooting vinyl in his arm, right? I mean, he was like obsessed <laughs> with this stuff. His, his, I don't know if you ever saw that picture of the Lightation, but his bedroom was wallpaper with record sleeves. You know, wow. Brown sleeves. Is that, is that what it, that, that photo was of? Yeah. And, oh. and I didn't recognize one song on there. I, I'm oh, reading man. these songs. I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, sincerely by the tokens. You know, I knew the lion sleeps tonight. I didn't know they sang sincerely. Yeah. You know, so, and the Domineers and Daryl and the Oxfords. And what the hell is this stuff? You know? So, and of course, he's just playing one after another. Oh, wait, wait to hear this. Wait to hear this. Wait to hear this one. And then, um, you know, we're trying to write them down. <laughs> wait a minute. Let me write that one down. And he goes, wait. And this is what this is what happened. He goes, wait to hear this one. There's no music. I said, there's no music. What the hell kind of song has no music? And it was the Nutmegs. Oh, wow. The nutmegs, hello. And the other side was, let me tell you. And it was green plastic, Times Square. And that was the record that just, like, wherever you're getting these things, I got to go. I got to I gotta see this place. Do you remember that first trip up? Yep. What yeah. happened? Did you did you drive up? Or you take a bus? Or we what? drove up. Yeah, we always drove up. No, I don't think I ever took it. We might have took a train up one time, but we all, we were driving by then, so we always drove up. And uh, we were just unorthodox, and uh, the New York collectors were all, like, studious, and, you know, you didn't joke around. And we walked in there with, like, you know, $8 in your pocket and trying to get $80 worth of records. <laughs> wow. We ended up singing. We actually sang on the show one day. They on brought Slim's show? out of that show. Huh? On Slim's show? Yeah. There's a CD of it somewhere. I mean, I have it. I can send it to you. Wow. Great. Yeah. I don't know who did it. It's, it's taken from a radio, you know. That's such a legendary spot. Can you describe what it was like going in there? Like you said that the New York collectors were, you know, more studious or whatnot, but what was it like and what was Slim like? And uh, it must have been heaven uh, for Slim you. Slim was, um, he, he just sat back there and smoked and, you know, he didn't look like he didn't want to be there. Um, <laughs> Harold was the guy that we dealt with all the time. And we just drove him crazy because uh like I said, we didn't have any money. The records, the cheap, cheapest records was a dollar. It was a lot back then. Yeah. A dollar, you know. Even the new releases were a dollar. But it was just a very small store. You walked in, uh, they had browsers. Uh, they had browsers and they had a record player built into the countertop. And everything else was on the wall. And the wall, as the wall started with a dollar, and progressed around to, I think the most expensive thing was maybe $25. But it was a record you never heard of. I mean, I never heard of these things. You know, and guys would just go over there and just look at them and 
have orgasms or something. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing over there. You know? <laughs> Those guys, we, we didn't fool with them guys. No. <laughs> but there was enough to, there was enough for us to like just, you couldn't absorb it all. Yeah. You, you know, you couldn't. I'm, I remember like, uh, you know, the five discs, you know, oh, what are you doing? I mean, and somebody would put one on the record player. And whatever they put on the record player, guys would be coming over. What the hell is that? What's that? What's that? Let me write that down. It was like, you, it, you couldn't get them all. You can never get them all. So you just went with, you know, what, you know, what appealed to you at the time. And then there would be guys like out in the concourse, like trading, trading stuff um selling things but slim was a character i mean you know we just we we uh were, we were very uh <laughs> we were very cruel to him yeah we had him running around you know hey slim let me see that one and he he'd go down that end and i would be down the other end yo you know i want to see this one over here you know and he, we, i mean he finally caught on with us after a while he goes, here comes in Philly, you guys, like, you know, don't, don't worry about it. For those of you that don't know, Slim is Irving Slim Rose, owner of Times Square Records. And Times Square Records was located in a subway station in New York City. Right. Right. But um, the first time we, um, the very first time, going back to the violators, we ordered from Slim. You could mail order. And if you ordered 50 records, you got a deal. And that's the first time we ever got records from Slim. Wow. And that's what it was. Three copies of Babalu's Wedding Day, three copies of Mexico to Rocketons, three copies of I Can't Believe. And it was the same records and everybody <laughs> wanted a copy of it, you know? Wow. So the, so the, the litations, some of the guys were collectors. When we get to the contenders, like they're all collectors. Yeah. But i'm very proud of the litation sound i mean the sound was really we never came close to that again now i know it's you know white and all that but that never bothered me either but we just had a really good blend with the litations look 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 in the sky look 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 into the sky look 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 into the sky look into the sky Look into the sky and you will see the night around for you and I. You and I, whoa, whoa, never gonna let this night go by. It is our night of love, 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 pretty baby. Love, 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 pretty baby. Look into the sky and you will see the moon up high for you and I.
and the name the litations came from? The Lydells and the quotations. We, Very we, original. We love both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, <laughs> it sounded good to me. I, I don't know if I made it up or somebody else made it up, but that's where it came from. It's a good name. We knew a couple of the Lydells and the quotations. I love the quotations. I mean, Alamansi, that was another one of those records that just nailed me to the wall. Like, what the hell does this mean? Alamansi. Did you figure out all the words to it? Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couldn't that's do it one for that's, you now. But... puzzled you, Mark, for a long time. Yes, for a long time. And I ended up meeting them years, years ago. The quotations, the original quotations. Standing on the corner, waiting for that girl. My heart, it skips a crazy beat. My head is in a what about the captions and ham mill and yeah the so captions on. well uh, this i'll just give you a little brief thing this song dreaming of you yeah that, such was, a that, I, yeah, that was taught to me by one of the this gentleman that sang with the lydells he sang on genie of the lamp and teenage tears i don't think he was on wizard of love because the lydells they were three guys and then they'd bring in a fourth that they needed them. And, but, you know, there was a core of three and then they'd pull him, but well, he, he got, he, he's passed away now. His name was Frank Millett. He used to come, his cousin was the one that lived across the street from me. So he would come over every once in a while and he, and we would sing together. And he taught me this song. Uh, he taught me 
Steady Girl by Billy and the Essentials. That's the song we taught me. And it has a drop in it, you know, do, 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 steady girl, you know, and it starts in unison and harmonizes down. And then he said, yeah, I got this other one, Dreaming of You. And um, so we learned it. And I think I put some words to it. I don't know. I just liked it. And uh, when it came time to, the guy wanted to put it out, he said, who wrote it? And I said, I, I put my name down. I said, I did. I don't know who wrote it. But if you listen to Karen by the Lydells, one of the guys came in Val shop and said that I stole his song. Karen is the same, you know, dum da dum 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 da dum da dum that beginning. But um, where where Ham Hill came was we were we went down we were collecting, we went downtown. There was a a big place called Ham Hill. It was a, it was a um, distrib distribute. What they did was they just packaged records. They made them. 10 for a dollar things and all that. You walked in, it was like a, a half a block deep and just records to as high as you could see, like all wow. over the place. And the guy, and we had that, we had that record with us, the Lightations, Dreaming of You, the Lightations. And we were trying to hawk it around. We didn't know. We didn't know what, we didn't even know how to do this. We said, well, I don't know, you get down to a label and ask somebody. So we wanted to talk to the guy and his name was Bill Hamilton and he brought us upstairs and he goes, yeah, he says, I, you know, he says, I like this thing, you know, he said, I like to re-record it. He said, I don't like the way it sounds. I like to re-record it. And I don't like the name either. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anything else you don't like about it? You know? So uh, we came up with the captions with a K. And we recorded it right at Virtue Studios, which was like two blocks away. It was the same group, the same band. Every everybody on there was the same, except the studio, and Frank Virtue was the producer. Wow! So, you know, another insight into how a studio can alter your sound. You know. <laughs> Like a long, long time Since I 
someday all my dreams will come true. out okay i mean a lot of people like the saxophone billy was our bass player yeah. and he's also the sax player on the record yeah, I, I love it on there. it's just yeah, yeah i mean he just plays it and then he comes in you know dum, yeah. dum, dum, yeah, dum, 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 and then he goes back to the sax killer i mean he was very talented yeah and then uh we were hawking that around ham mill was the name of the distributorship ham mill and the gentleman's name was bill hamilton ah yeah so what year was that? That was like 63, late 63. What was happening locally uh, with music? And, and what, what big Cameo ads Parkway you... was gigantic. I mean, that was, that, that was it. The Cameo sound, you know, yeah. Lee Sharp and the Dovells. And, and, and No Town was creeping in a little bit. And of course, the English, well, 64, the Beatles hit. Yeah, but it was basically cam. I mean, in Philadelphia, it was cameo. They they had a monopoly on everything, you know. And that was the place you wanted to get your records in the cameo if you could. But they were they became like Motown, like a closed shop. You know, you, you didn't get in there. I mean, they'd have one of their artists do the song. They didn't want your song, you know. Yeah. What about radio locally, like Jerry Blavitt and stuff? What was going on? Oh, yeah, that? we went to all, all the Blavid dancers. Yeah, he was, he was, um, uh, you know, I, I, well, I don't have a good report with him today, but I mean, he was fabulous on the radio. He, he was just fabulous. It was when he went to the TV that, you know, he kind of lost a little bit in my mind, but on the radio, he was fabulous. He just never shut up. He talked oh. like <laughs> from the beginning of the record, through the record, it's going out for. You know, Susie and Tommy and Joe Steakhouse and that, that, that. Shut up! <laughs> I mean, you get yeah. so much, and, you know. <laughs> but I mean, he was. There was nobody like him. I mean, there was nobody like him at his dances and stuff. I mean, the young teenagers and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due. But there's a there's a magazine called that goes out of past. Right, got it here. Yeah, and they wrote up the contenders and the litations. Yeah. I don't know if you got those issues, but I'll be glad to send them up to you. Okay. And the, the one story, this was after I went in the military, I got, I got drafted and all. I'm getting ahead a little bit ahead of myself, but Jerry had a um, radio, um, TV show. And Val kept trying to get the group on the TV show, the, the contenders, right? And you know Val, you know Val good enough to know Val. You know he's like, yo, it's you know, yeah, yeah. Why don't you get somebody good on that friggin' show? You know. And, <laughs> <laughs> so they finally got on there, yeah. and uh, so we got yeah, seventeen, you know, eighteen years old. So Jerry comes around, and I wasn't there because I was in the military. So they got another guy to just take my place. You know, another guy hung around the corner. Jerry comes around and he says, listen, he says, some woman's coming around and she's going to ask for all this information. He goes, don't worry about it. He goes, I got it all taken care of. 
What's that so, mean? So my buddy Louie, he just passed away. He goes, oh, okay. We used to call him Geet just to like get under his skin. We wouldn't call him the Geeter. We called him Geet. He didn't like that. So we did it anyway, right? <laughs> and Joey D was on the show. So Louie's talking to Joey D. He goes, what the hell is that about? He goes, oh, he goes, what's that about? He goes, you get paid to be on television. That's what that's about. He goes, really? He goes, yeah, you get paid. But you got to give him, you know, your name and all. So Louie calls the woman, oh, come on over here. And they got paid. The contenders got paid. Wow. And one guy still got the stub. I think it was $55. And they never he never played the clock again. Oh, they got my paid. goodness. No kidding. You're supposed to give it back to him. Or something. Oh man. You're not supposed to get some money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> and Dick right. Clark did Dick Clark did the same thing. I, nobody we didn't know this stuff. Yeah. You know, you're just young idiots running yeah. around singing. <laughs> well, by you know, you're jumping ahead a little bit uh, yeah. to the contenders there. But uh but how many records and, and groups and whatnot uh were right before the contenders like we were talking about the violators and the litations and the captions and is it then well, is it is it the contenders? this is going to sound this uh, i'm going to try to make this easy for you. there's really only two groups there's the litations and the contenders that's you know there's really only two groups and everything else is just either meshed together made up created by Val or, you know, the, the um, violators, that was, that was before we even met Val. The Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that, Jack, because, you know, I know that you were in the Beatles. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, you know, I was in the Beatles, yeah. <laughs> the Lightations, when we first went in with Dreaming of You, I hadn't met Val. So we did those four songs uh, with the music and I hadn't met him. The next session, the acapella sessions, which this is going to sound crazy. As good as we were, I had I had really kind of good aspirations for this group, you know. But two of the guys were a couple years older than me, and um, we, we got an offer to go on Steel Pier through this Bill Hamilton. We could appear on this show, summertime on the pier from Atlantic City. It was wow. a dance show, teenage dance show. Wow. Oh, you know what I had to do was lip sync. You know, you didn't have to sing the song. Yeah. But one guy got cold feet. He didn't want to go. The other guy went crazy over the Beach Boys. Yeah. He wanted to sing all Beach Boys. Okay. And we're like, you know, what happened? You know, what do you got a fever? <laughs> Put your hand up at his time. What happened to you, man? Uh, the Beach Boys. You, know, <laughs> you hear these harmonies, man. The Beach Boys. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about harmonies? It's all they're singing about is you know mufflers and <laughs> you know, late fights and. I mean, I, I love Brian Wilson today, but back then it was, come on, man, we're going to go on TV and all. And he goes, no, nah, I'm not going. So wow. it was five of it. So two of them said they're not going. And we got the record done, the captions, it's all pressed. The guy's like walking it around. And so we got another guy that could dance real good. He couldn't sing too much, but he could dance real good. <laughs> and we took, brought him on with us. And that was, the summer, that was I think it was the summer of 63. 
after I graduated. Wow. So that's the litations in a nutshell. I mean, the guys, they just quit on us. Oh, geez. They just went their own separate ways. Yeah. I stayed friendly with them all, but the Beach Boys, I'm like. Well, so what happened in the interim then? Because there's a couple of years there before uh, the Contenders record. Uh, we, we were going to Times. We were, you know, collecting. And um, the one guy from the Litation stayed with me through the Contenders. He stayed with me. He was one of my best friends. And we just met a couple guys at a dance and people would be singing in the bathrooms or in the terminal, the bus terminal or something. And that's how it all came about and said, you know, hey, you want to get together and see what we can do. And that's how the contenders formed. And meanwhile, music was really kind of changing because of the British invasion. What was oh, yeah, we were going that? to the dances. I mean, we, I was a dancing machine. I mean, we, we went to the dances every weekend. Yeah. It was an escape from home, you know, just get the hell out of the house. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, I remember front. I remember dancing the Serpents of Far, you know, shut down, you know, Daddy, you know, shut you down. I mean, but I was starting to like you know take some of that stuff you know like yeah. let's you know i remember like when i first heard help the beatles yeah i couldn't understand how they started that record like with no you know boom boom <laughs> boom it just came in yeah. help i need somebody and like how do you do that you know <laughs> how do you get that i never knew there was click tracks and all this stuff but we, we were singing. We were singing out in the parking lot. Denise, uh, you know, and I meant to say this to the other day. And all these guys that said like they didn't, you know, they uh, killed, you know, it all killed Doo-Wop and all. Those guys were trying to figure out the Beach Boys too. Those harmonies were really sophisticated. That Brian Wilson would write. Sure. So you might say like you didn't like the Beach Boys, but you're going home trying to <laughs> trying to find this chord on a piano or something because they were beautiful yeah yeah and uh and the tokens with lion sleeps tonight and the falsetto everybody was trying to hit those falsettos which you know they couldn't found out it was like a woman singing it later you know some operatic woman on lion sleeps tonight but everybody tried to hit it tonight i fell in love i love that record yeah dick and dd Dee Dee. i mean I, tragedy I mean, all that stuff. The Everly Brothers. I mean, I was like a, a nut for that stuff. Well, but what about the Beatles? What about the Beatles hitting? And how did that Beatles record and when did it happen to come out? And what was the Quest label? And was there any kind of legal action? No, <laughs> that was Val. He did that. No, legal action. You don't worry about it. Val did it. Okay, we'll send the authorities over he there. Yeah, he, uh, I think he, I don't even think the label says, I think he took the label from another record, Quest Records. Yes, it's Quest, right. Yeah. And that's it, the, it, that's the Litations, the girl I love. The Beatles, and, and he the just Litations. slapped the Beatles name on there. Yeah. There was never anybody who wondered about that record. <laughs> you, don't, you don't think you screwed up anybody. In the Beatles? Like, yeah. But we had another, we had another record. He told me one time, uh, I don't know why he stopped doing that. He, you know, and of course the five shits, that was the light, that's all the litations except for one. 
Okay. Do you but, want to talk uh, about the five shits? Yeah, that was another Val. Well, we the first record we ever did, I think, was the five scripts on script. Right. And awesome. we were we were um, practicing at this kid's house, and he had a he was a um, an audio nerd. So he said, well, why don't you come over to my house and you can sing here, you know? Meanwhile, he can play with his mics and his tapes and his, he had reel-to-reel tapes and all. So he said, good, you know, I, I just talked to him about two months ago. So uh, we were singing, that's where, all, they were, all these things were practice tapes, Gunga Din, they were never meant to come out. They were just like tapes from our practice sessions that we did. You know, we finally had to put them out because everybody was bootlegging them, you know? But we wanted to, we, me and Val were going up to um, Providence, Rhode Island, looking for records one time when we're driving up and we said, look, how about if we make a record like in the still of the night and tell everybody it's before the five satins, like <laughs> something that, you know, nobody would ever know, yeah. like a rare record, create a rare record. I mean, that's that's the kind of pranking the collectors. Yeah. And it was targeted for that one collector in particular, but I won't say his name. Oh, so okay. we said, yeah, we'll call it the five scripts. Because Jubilee records, if you know the Jubilee label, yeah, they had certain records was Jubilee written in block print and others were written in Jubilee written. They were called script. Right. Script Jubilee. Right. So we had the five scripts on script. Like the five chances on chance. Right. And we had a little quill right, you know, on the label. Yeah. And we, we spent we we put we try we were trying to get parrot the parrot maroon, parrot record, but we couldn't get the maroon. So then we tried to get VJ, the VJ Brown. We couldn't get that. Everybody we talked to, they're going like, what, what are you guys trying to do? You know, we, we, we want to get this brown. What brown? You know? And, was this, uh, this was before the before Val did the Beatles, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is back before we did the clock. This yeah. is, you know, so we're practicing. Oh, yeah. So meanwhile, we're, I wrote this song, My Friends Tell Me, which I took from the Master Tones, Tell Me the Master Tones. And the other side was you left my arm. And we're singing at this guy's house, um, Billy, one day. And he goes, we recorded a song. And he goes, oh, man, the one mic didn't come out. It, it wasn't working. So we said, I play it back anyway. So when he played it back, we said, that's it. That's the sound we want. <laughs> that's, <laughs> we want it. That's what we want. It sounds like. We ended up getting five guys around a microphone, just like the old days. And that's what we sang that song, Acapella.
it down to Frank Virtue. By that time, we kind of knew Frank Virtue. And Val walks in, you know, hey, Frank, you know, stop the presses, you know, like we got the next number one hit. And uh, Frank's like, what the hell are you guys doing? That? Like, Come on, man, we, we need this mastered. We need this thing mastered. Like now, we got to get it out on the street. So he just wanted to get rid of us. So he says, all right, look. And he put it on and he had a, he had a tape recorder like in the wall. It was like, puts it in there and it starts out like I don't know if you ever heard the song starts out with like this hiss ah. <laughs> he takes his headphones off like, what the hell is he he, he goes like I can't get that I can't get that off of there and I was like who the hell wants it off it's the best part of the record <laughs> leave that on there <laughs> so we put it out there's a five scripts on script we put that that was the first one we did did you fool anybody? Uh, huh? Did you fool anybody? Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> we did get the guy. We were at the, the problem was the, yeah. when we went to press the labels up, it was like $25 or something for the labels. The guy put the print. I don't know if you ever seen the record. The printing of the song is like real big, yeah. like a like a hit record. Well, we none of those records back then had big print. Yeah. So oh, we, so that sort of gave you gave it away. Yeah, we went down to get the labels and we're like, what the hell is this? It's the one thing we never discussed was the ah, size of man. The so otherwise it could have been perfect and you could have been really funny. Yeah. The wow. guy goes, I thought you wanted it like that so people can read it. Who the hell wants it? You know, you know, Val. We don't want anybody reading it. What are you crazy? You know? <laughs> and that's where the so that's where the Zeppers came from. We did it again. We tried it to do it again. Yeah as the Zeppers, but it, it didn't come what out. What went wrong there? <laughs> and it sound was it? We couldn't, <laughs> I guess the guy fixed the mic or something. We just couldn't get the sound right again. Wow. And what we took the, the Zeppers, the name Zeppers came from zip code. Zip codes were just coming in. Ah, yeah. I okay. passed a mailbox and I said, how about the Zeppers? Yeah, good. And he goes, nah, I ain't zippers. Who don't want to, you know, you punch it like, you know. <laughs> that was the zipper. Yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah. Where did <laughs> it the was long as simple as that? Huh? 
Where did the long fiber label come from? Long fiber was um, in my mom's basement. There was some boxes and it was a box company. Long fiber box company. So yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> it, was, it was as simple as that. Wow. Wow. Well, and then years later is when he did all the five shit stuff. You know, yeah. when I wasn't and even paying attention, I was like out of this music. But go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, no, I was just thinking about um, about dreaming, you know, um, what uh, what a cool tune that was. And that's uh, that that was the captions, right? Right. Right. Anything to say about that? I mean, that I mean, it seems to me that that's uh, a classic of of Duha. <laughs> No, it never. It, I don't know why. You know, this uh, the, this Bill Hamilton was a Gentile in a in a Jewish world. You know, of records. I don't know if that meant anything. <laughs> you know, you, I mean, you had to get it. There, there was a couple major stations, just like New York. Yeah. And if you didn't get on there, I mean, you ain't it ain't going nowhere. You know, so which meant you had to pay somebody. I mean, we didn't have no money to pay anybody. And you know, we got us on that TV show, but that was the that was the last of that, you know. And then the group broke up, broke up anyway. So I ended up working for him for a while, Bill Hamilton, mm -hmm. in records. But what happened to that giant building full of records? I don't know what ever happened to it. I, my job was I had to find a hundred copies of anything, any records, and put them in a box, and they sent them back for credit. Oh wow! It had, to, it had to be the same record though, a hundred copies. I mean, I, I swear, it was a mountain of records. Yeah, yeah. I found a lot of good records in there, you know, along the way. Yeah. They would let me take them home, ten cents a piece. Yeah, nice work if you can get it, right? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to uh, Sam Goodies. You know, if you you know Sam Goodies, that name. Oh, sure. Uh huh. Yeah. Then I went to Sam Goodies downtown Philly, and from there I got drafted. And in in the interim there, we did the clock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about the clock because that is a special the record. clock. Um, uh, I remember writing it. Uh, Val's got a different story, but I remember right. I remember this song by the Lydell. It was called "Let This Night Last." It's the flip side of "Wizard of Love," and at the end of the song, it modulates. It goes up and up. Uh, you know, go up, and that always stuck in my mind. So when I did the clock, that's that was the premise of it. Like every verse would like go up a little bit, and I always like stop records. I love to do the stop. That's really where it came from. And then we, Val had a, some guys in his neighborhood that had a band, and we went we went over and we practiced it a couple of times, and we said, yeah. You know, let's try this thing. We already been in the studio, kind of knew what that was about, and it was turned out to be the same guys where we recorded the Lightations, the same two brothers were the engineers. So we went down and recorded it, and no, I mean, no idea what the record business is like, not none. I mean, we figure you just walk up to the DJ and say, here. Here's our record. You know, you're going to put it on. <laughs> it didn't work like that. Yeah. But we had a few people that would play it and um, let it all come down, you know, to money. And 
we weren't looking for a, like a, a national hit or anything, just like a little major, I mean, a little um, local kind of thing, like Bongo Stop or, you know, I knew that. Yeah, it could have been. It could have, it should have been. Yeah, yeah. You know, but that Java great. label, you know, <laughs> it's like. Java, you know where that came from, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. A little Jack and a little Val. Yeah. And maybe those, uh, maybe the violators having that cup of cup of cappuccino in the bongo bar. <laughs> um, yeah, the Val liked it. I mean, he liked hanging around with us and all that. And uh, yeah. he was just getting more and more into it, more and more. You know, he worked for a couple, worked for guys that were distributors and stuff. He he, he knew people, but he didn't know the right people to do that to to move a record. Yeah. And then um, did you ever did he ever tell you about the guy that wanted to buy it? To to buy the Java forty five? He, he wanted to buy the the record. The yeah. record. he wanted to yeah, buy the rights to the whole deal. Yeah, did he tell you that story? No. Um I was in the sir I never heard this till twenty years later. And um he said this guy called him up one day and said, Listen, I'm I want interested in buying a clock. So Val says, yeah, well, there's a buck a piece. How many you want? He goes, no, nah, you don't understand. He goes, I want to buy the record. And Val goes, yeah, yeah, how many you want? He goes, no, nah, I want to buy the whole record, the rights to the record. Val's like, what are you, crazy? I'm not selling you the record. He goes, yeah, I got like blood, sweat, and tears in this thing, man. He goes, thanks. He goes, well, listen, just think of a price. I'll call you back. He goes, don't bother don't bother calling me back. <laughs> it's not for sale. He goes, I'll call you back. And a couple of weeks later or whatever, he called him back. He said, you think of a price? He goes, yeah, it's the same answer. No. So he said, well, let me put it to you this way. He said, if you don't sell this, sell me this record, he goes, it just died. Oh. And I goes, yeah. Val said, yeah. And so did this phone call. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. That was the end of the record. Wow. And what his, do you his think name happened? was uh, Fred DeCipio. And uh, he went on to be yeah. real big. He is. Yeah. And oh. I told Val, I said, if we knew what, <laughs> in hindsight, we should have drove down, got on our hands and knees and handed it to him. <laughs> like, here. But oh. you don't know. Oh, you man. You but uh, it does stand as a, as a great record. As yeah. does, you know, uh, the fabulous five shits, probably, <laughs> you know, which seem to be, uh, you know, not not bringing to the forefront here, but certainly one of the craziest looking labels and combinations of everything. Who's on that record and where did those uh, songs come from and exactly what happened? How many people were contributing to the insanity on that record label? Uh, the Well, we, me and Val, going back to, to Blavid, we had a disdain where I, I, anyway, I had a disdain for Blavid. And especially the record museum, these mm -hmm. guys, Jerry and Jared, uh, Jerry Green, and you know, these, those two guys. Jared Weinstein. Yeah. yeah. They didn't have the time of day for you if you went down there. So we were going to do an album. And when they bought that album for young teenagers or young lovers only or whatever the hell it was, young something, I said to Val, let's do an album and we'll use all those songs that we've been recording in that guy's thing. You know, like Gunga Den and Stormy Weather and all. We'll use, put that, all them on there. 
the first the first idea was this is how sick we were. The first idea we're going to go it was going to be called Young Tuners Only for Young Tuners Only because we told we figured these people that followed Blavitt were like fish, like tuna fish. Right. You know, right. whatever he throw out there, he, they buy. Yeah. It, right? So it was for Young Tuners Only. Yeah. We knew a guy that knew where the cover was shot. We were going to get the cover shot with a guy with a sun. Uh, what the hell was that thing? Sun kissed tuna or something. You know, the old fisherman with the yellow uh, thing. Star kissed. Yeah, with a big sea, deep sea rod like hanging over the bridge. And we we're going to have like lost night records like for floating down the water, you know, for young tunas only. Oh. And um, <laughs> and the first, the first idea was we were going to put blank albums in it. Great idea. Yeah. And we went, we went, <laughs> we, we, our ideas, everything costs money. We didn't have no money. So um, somewhere Val's got the liner notes. I wrote the liner notes to the back of the album. Oh, wow. Somewhere he still has them. Yeah. And that was the songs, you know, Gunga Din, da, 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 da. Wow. and the label was Lost Cause. Yep. And the lamppost, pretty close to the way he what what he put on there. Right. That's that's that was all talked about years before, but we never did it. Yeah. You know, Jerry Green said years later, he said, you know, we would have sued you, but he said you should have done it anyway. Yeah. But we didn't we didn't have no money. So all that was in his brain, that lost cause. And then from the litation sessions, he got, you know what dubs are? You know what dubs yeah. are, right? Mm -hmm. He got them pressed from the sessions. So he had all those records on 45s. Oh. Because he only wanted 45s, Val. So he already had them. He had the lost, you know, cause idea. And all that stuff he put on there, that was, you know, all those collectors, Mariana, Louis Silvani. And yeah, yeah. That's just, that's his brain going like that. <laughs> and the five shits. Eventually he got some money and ran out of things to do, so he did it. <laughs>
guys in the group were pretty upset about it when he did it you know? oh really yeah we got over it. everybody got over it. yeah <laughs> because they were pretty good records you know what i mean they were pretty good records and the only one that he didn't get was over the rainbow we gave that to slim um in Times square look into the sky that's the last record on uh, Times square and wow. that, that's another story. We were going up there and we had the record and the lightations were defunct. And we wanted to, you know, get ourselves set as the contenders, but we weren't, it wasn't really the contender sound because we were going a little more black. So I said, well, look, Slim, look, you, you, I, I played it for him and he goes, oh yeah, he goes, I'm interested in it. And it was the dub. I had the lightations on the dub, over the rainbow, the dub or the lightation. I said, well, here's the deal, man. You gotta brought, you gotta put it out as the acapellas because acapella was just really rolling. So we said, we want the name of the group to be the acapellas. He goes, okay, no problem. We go up there two weeks later, here it is hanging on the wall over the rainbow, the lightation. <laughs> <laughs> wow it happened pretty fast up there yeah that's it but i mean that's how that escaped val wow but he told me recently he was he had one more i forget what the song was the beatles he was going to put out another beatles uh, oh, now yeah and he was going to put it on the capital on on the capital label oh man <laughs> <laughs> a blow to the industry <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's totally crazy. That still might happen. <laughs> you know, you guys seemed like such a lively bunch there. Just from looking at Val's photos of you guys and so on, you know, uh, there's that photo where you're you're going up the steps with the you know one dollar record sign behind you, and the guys are holding you, and one of the guys is giving the finger. Yeah. And who was that? That one of my favorite photos of all time of of anything with record collecting is uh it, was it Frank or one of the other members who is laying on the bed with all of the colored wax chance records? Oh uh, yeah, that's Louis. He just passed away from leukemia. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. yeah. We were, uh, we, we weren't serious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, including me. And um, the music business doesn't, I, I don't like it. I don't like the business end of it. You know, yeah. it's um, because the people that run it, most of them don't know music. Yeah. They just know money. Yeah. Um. And you know, you've read all them stories, Tommy James, and it, it, you know, they fudge the numbers, they bootleg their own records, you know, like, yeah, um, Goldner and Morris Levy. I mean, they're, they're selling those, you know, their own people, their own people out from under. So, yeah, but I, I, meanwhile, I love the music. I love music. I used to sing with my brother. My brother plays guitar professionally. We'd sing at folk, uh, folk clubs and you know, for nothing. and had another I had another group with my brothers um, after I got out of the service I had another group 
um, we just did a record, you know, maybe six, seven years ago that's still in love with you that I sent up to you. I don't know if you got that. Yeah, a beautiful chat. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it never leaves you. Music never, ever leaves you. No. And it's really my island in the chaos. I mean, that's the one place you can always go and get centered back again. And um, I don't know. I, just, I love it. You know, we talked about it, the, the Beatles and the Stones and all that, all that stuff. I mean, Dylan, I, I went through a divorce in the service. And I sold all this. This is what you know what got me. I sold all these records at Sam Goody's, you know, Simon Garfunkel, and I, I couldn't even. I, I didn't even understand the name. Like, who the hell calls themselves Simon and Garfunkel? Like, what kind <laughs> of name is that? Man? You know, and I'm looking at the pictures, and I'm going like, what yeah. the hell is this? When they could call themselves the the Five Shits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Dylan. I couldn't. I couldn't even make out the the you know the names of the songs. You know, Mr. Tambourine Man, and they're going off. They're selling like crazy. I mean, everybody that comes in is like the only the only thing that was up against them was Motown. Yeah. So I was in the Navy and I was stationed in Guantanamo, Cuba. And I'm out one night. Me and this guy are like drunk, and he played guitar, and he goes, he goes, how about Bob Dylan? I said, Bob Dylan. I said, you're crazy, man. Bob Dylan. I said, you like Bob Dylan? He goes, oh, man, I love Bob Dylan. I said, nah, I don't like Bob Dylan. He says, he goes, you can't be true. I says, I'm telling you, I don't want to know. But it was pure ignorance, like talking. Yeah. So he drags me back to the barracks, puts headphones on. Everybody had a tape deck and headphones. He goes, here's, I'm listen, you listen to this album. Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits, the first one. He goes, you tell me this guy sucks. I'll never mention his name again. And that was that was another life-changing moment. I mean, he was just singing my life, you know. And I came home to Val. I came home and went over to Val, you know, where Val was working. I said, I want every album with Bob Dylan's name on. He goes, what the hell happened to you? Wow. What, you, get hit by a you get hit by a missile or something? What happened? <laughs> wow. It happened in Guantanamo. Yeah, I, that was it. And I said, man, I still love his writing. I still love his writing. And everybody says, oh, I can't sing. Well, I don't know if he can sing, but he sure as hell can write. Yeah. I mean, I love his writings, but I, I like it all. Manhattan Transfer. Um, I mean, I'm like one song at a time. Yeah. I mean, that's how I, I approach everything. Like John Prine, I love John Prine's writing. Well, uh, you know, like going back to like when the when the Beatles came over and stuff like that, like, at, you know, Philadelphia, like you said, Cameo Parkway, Cameo right. was doing so big at that time. And that was really, you know, Philadelphia sound also all the great soul music that was coming out of there. But here comes the British invasion. And so many people have, always felt this derogatory notion about it destroying American music. But here you guys came out, you know, you came out with records that were, you know, a couple of years after they came over did, and, and Doo-Wop actually had a, a great resurgence. You said to me when we were talking a while back that you thought that, uh, and, and I totally agreed, that the British invasion was based a lot on on the uh, on the American vocal group sound, 
And you're right about that. Is mm -hmm. that why you never really felt bitter about it? Yeah, I, no, I never felt bitter about it. I, uh, you know, like another thing we talked about the other day was like, yeah, you, you see these guys, uh, doo-wop, you know, they killed doo-wop. The Beatles killed doo-wop. You know, like, come on, man. Like, what kind of sen sentence is that? The Beatles killed doo-wop. Beatles didn't even know about doo-wop, never mind killing it, you know. I said, it's, doo-wop is just a very personal geographical sound. I mean, we didn't know about the penguins. The penguins didn't know about us. <laughs> we didn't know about this. New York and Philadelphia were like night and day, and they're only 100 miles apart. The stuff that came down from New York, Philadelphia didn't know. They didn't know that stuff. The five so disc and all that. You know, and New York hardly ever played Leanders in the Hearts and all the great stuff he did. It was, they were like closed shops, you know? Everybody wanted their own thing. The, the Beatles, I mean, Epstein, like they wanted to conquer America, you know, and they did it. I mean, they were so energetic. There's so many ingredients, like I'm sure you know, like Kennedy's assassination. Yeah. In November '63, they put that in there as a as a reason, but I I, I think they were undeniable. I mean, I want to hold your hand. It was like undeniable to me. Like the yeah. the, the chord structure, it, it was yeah, it was like a childish lyric, but sung with such fervor. You know, like I want to hold your hand, and they had that you know Everly Brothers harmony. They could harmonize perfect. I don't know. And then they had all the weird ass guitars, you know, Rickenbackers and uh, the bass, left handed bass. Another baptism was the military. Yeah. I went from here to, to uh, Georgia. Well, how many years were, what year did you go in? How many years? 66. February 66. We had the clock out. And that's why I wasn't oh, on that show. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I went down to Georgia. And I've just, like I said, I just got done working at Sam Goody's. Yeah. Went out to the bar with these guys and walked up to the jukebox and I knew one song, <laughs> one song on the jukebox. That was It's All in the Game, Tommy Edwards. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Nothing, nothing on that jukebox. I'm like, what the hell are you? Where are you? What did you sign? You know? Yeah, I learned that I learned to love it. I mean, it's great, great, great. I mean, I love lyrics and I love writing. Yeah. Uh, and there's great musicians in country music, too. So oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Huh? Definitely. Yeah. So I, you know, I came home and, you know, you're different. You're different. It's not you, you want to believe it can be the same, but it, it can't. It's never the same. You, you know, know, Jack? You said earlier that uh, you know, uh, you know, mentioning the penguins and so on. Like uh, the uh, what I'm I'm getting from this is referring to the black uh, vocal groups. Mm -hmm. uh, did you discern uh, a, a difference, or, or of course there is, but uh, people kind of putting the whole doo-wop label on on all music that involved uh, group singing? Uh, Jerry, what's your I favorite label, Jack? Uh, my favorite label, pro probably BJ, BJ, because it's got the blues, the rhythm, the groups, 
I mean, I fell for all this. I used to collect certain groups and, and the Dells, the Eldorados, the Orioles. In fact, me and Val, when we used to go record hunting, we had a, a bond, you know, like if he found something that I needed, he would give it to me. And if I found something that he needed, I would give it to him. Yeah. So it worked pretty good. But, but VJ, and, you know, and of course the chance, I mean, a lot of stuff you couldn't get, even though it, it was new at the time, you know, it was still $5, $10. Now it's out of sight. But the the CD, I love combo records. I never even knew combo records back then. Yeah. On the West Coast. Um, and Fortune, that's, I, I just started reading the book today. Yeah. Mind Ever Matter. And uh, very, very interesting. Yeah. It's There's a lot going on at that label. Yeah, because they everybody used to complain about their sound. You know, the songs were great, but, you know, like an echo they got on there and that, 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 but it was all by design, you know. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I just, like I said, I'm one song at a time. Do you, you know? have a favorite for, a fortune record? Mm, I like um, the, the Diablos record. Um, can we talk this over? Wonderful one. Am I asking? 
asking too much When I practically beg you For an even chance Can't you see That it's with you It's with you, darling That I've always That I've always Wanted to be much I need you and with you I've got to be not for a month not for a year but darling Are you a record collector? A little bit. Huh. A little bit, yeah. A little yeah. bit. You know, the rarity, you know, the, the, the rarity has kind of made it good. Yeah. But that's not true. You know, I mean, if you're you're not writing a song so you can be rare. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, a lot of rare <laughs> records are crap too. So yeah, you're writing a song. I hope it and hope that you know, and you need the vehicle. You know, there's a lot of dynamite writers that, that, I mean, they're not the vehicle for the song. You need to, I mean, Elvis Presley was to me like the, the ultimate vehicle for a song. If you could get it to him, he had that ability. I mean, I know he's, you know, you could say he was disturbed, the mama's boy, whatever you want. He had that ability to just take that song and you'd swear he wrote it by the time he got done singing it. Yeah. And Sinatra is the same way. Yeah. That's a real talent. And and Elvis was really like the catalyst for, I think, everybody that, that you talked to. You know, it, it, it was a game changer. I mean, I remember this um, girl across the street had his albums. I didn't have no money to buy albums. She had the albums. And I, I would go over there and I'd say, can I listen to them albums? I just want to sit here and listen to them. And she said, yeah. And that's where I... That's where I heard Blue Moon, uh, when my Blue Moon turns to gold again, and all, all that stuff, you know. I didn't know those songs. Yeah. And the Jordanaires, you know, the group Harmony, the Jordanaires, they were fabulous. Yeah. I didn't know they were, I didn't know until last year they were behind It's Only Make Believe, Conway Twitty, the Jordanaires. So, Jack, you're still a heavy collector, right? Nah, I've been trying to get rid of stuff. You want to buy something? Yeah, sure. Ship it on <laughs> we'll, over. We'll buy. We'll buy. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about good. all those VJs and your chances. We'll take those. Most of them are going. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of them. Uh, I mean, Val, like I said, Val was, was the, the guy that just kept buying and buying and buying. Yeah. And um, I was working. He was living at my with my mom's house, at my mom's house. Yeah. And um, there was one night in particular where he got a call and these guys were coming in from California to Mariano Brothers. I don't know if you know that name. Sure. And they somebody wanted him to come up to New York 
because they were coming to Philadelphia the next day. So you go up to New York to beat them, beat the collectors in Philadelphia before they come down to Philadelphia. And he goes, come on, you want to go up? And I says, hey, man, I got to go to work tomorrow. He goes, well, that that was kind of the, the, you know, the breaking point for me collecting. And, you know, once in a while I'd, I'd pick up something, but he was he was on fire with this stuff. You know, he still fire. is, right? He still is, yeah. He still <laughs> yeah. is. It's, I mean, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. You got to be obsessed to be successful like that. You have to be. Yeah. You know, and he's he's certainly obsessed with this music. Uh, that if anybody should write a book, it's him. Absolutely. We keep pounding on him, but I yeah. said all you got to do is dictate it. Somebody yeah. else write it down. He's got more stories. I call him Uncle Remus. He gets going. <laughs> I mean, he's hard to unplug. You're looking for the plug behind him. <laughs> We've interviewed him. Oh my God! Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He never shuts up. I'm not too bad, but <laughs> yeah, because on the on the Java question, uh, he said that he wanted you to tell uh, the story your way, and then he would tell it his way. So what are you leaving out? <laughs> He's going to fill in on. Well, I went, we did that. I went in the Navy and then I came back at three months. I came home and that's when we did surprise the second record, but he wasn't um, enthralled with that one. Um, love, lovely lover was the side, you know, I, I wanted to do. Yeah. And it's a kind of a takeoff of uh Motown record because I, that's what I'm saying. I'm in the service and you're being influenced by all these guys in the barracks that are all playing different stuff, yeah. you know, and it's, you just can't deny it. Everybody's playing different music and it's going in one ear and rolling around and digesting, you know, and coming out the other ear. And like, um, so we did that one. And then the, the, uh, the one I did leave out was, this gentleman that we knew, he was a collector. He was a, um, a doctor of some kind. He called us up one time. He called me up. And he used to come over to my mom's house and watch us practice once in a while. I mean, the basement was 10 by 10, if it was that big, right? And he says, listen, I got an idea. He said, you know that song, I like it like that? I said, yeah, he goes, I want to do it over. And he said, have you heard this record, uh, She's Looking Good by Roger Collins? I said, yeah, I love that record. He goes, yeah, he goes, that's the sound I want. I want that, dun, 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 you know? And he says, uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna call it Wild Child and the Soul Children. That's the name of the group. And he says, I'm trying to get a sound like um, Land of a Thousand Dances. Sounds great so far. Yeah. So he says, the only trouble is, he says, I, I need like a hundred hours to, <laughs> to pay these musicians. He went, so we both, we all gave him like $25. We said, yeah, we're in. And because uh, we liked them. So yeah. we went down and he, he cut this track. We just sang to a track. That was the first time we ever did that. We didn't even see the guy behind the glass. We just stood in the studio, sang this track. Trouble is, he never asked us, like, what key we sang in. <laughs> so I'm like a little lower. And, and then we sang over what we just sang, you know, to make it sound like an army. 
But it came out pretty good. I don't know if you ever heard it. What have is you it? Ever heard it? I like it like that by the contenders. It came out as the contenders, but it never came out as Wild Child. got it and uh he's calling me you know and he said uh, he called me up and he says listen he goes i think there's a good chance uh this is going to get placed with abc paramount in new york and i said no kidding he goes yeah i said that's great news you know he goes yeah he goes i'm really excited about it so i'm telling all the guys oh yeah remember called me about two weeks later he says yeah jack i got bad news I said, what happened? He goes, Dave Clark 5 just put it out. Oh, man. <laughs> now, there's a reason. I said, the Dave Clark 5. Oh. <laughs> what are they doing when I like it like that? Yeah, right. <laughs> that was the end of that record. Wow. They did pretty good with it, too. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, a great man. idea. Yeah, I sure. It's a great idea to do it over. Yeah. <laughs> And so, I think they uh, we're lucky that those vocals and everything else too. <laughs> right he, ended up, he ended up producing um, Billy Horner, uh, Homicide Dresser, and Sally saying something. He, he had a couple of hits. Local. What? Wait, wait, what? What? It was uh, Billy Horner. Yeah. One, one, one was called Homicide Dresser, and and the other one was called uh, Sally saying something. 
You don't know those records? Homicide no. Dresser? Yeah, they were on Kumasatra. Kuma you know that label? Kamasutra? Kamasutra, yeah. Kamasutra, Kamasutra, yeah. <laughs> forgive me, I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> come, 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 come. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, the whole thing, the whole trip was like that, you know, just, uh, it's a good time. Yeah, you guys had a lot of good, good times. Like I said, I don't, I had a guy one time wanted me to write for um, music, you know, he'd give me the music and I would write the lyrics, but I had a lot of trouble doing that. Uh, uh, it's just alien to me. So uh, that didn't work out. You know, just going back a little bit, you know, you're talking about Dick Clark and, uh, you know, uh, Jerry Blavitt and these TV shows and so on. Like, were you going to those shows? Like, you know, before you had bands going on or nah, bands and anything like that? When I was younger, you weren't cool if you went to bandstand. Okay. Bandstand was like a bunch of nerds. Yeah, because you were in the violators. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, all right. You like, broke the cook. <laughs> but we did go to the Blavid dances. Yeah, we went to the, all the dances. Yeah. 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 We sang there. We, you know, we lip synced a couple songs. We sang the clock at the one of his dances one time and we um he called us. He he would call us when he he always said like Little Richard was going to be there, and Chuck Berry was going to be there, and yeah, you know, bunch of nobody ever showed up. So he called us up. Like, I need yeah. some guest stars, you know. We go down there, and he'd say, "Oh yeah, Little Richard was supposed to come in, but his plane got tied up or something." So we got the contenders, you know. <laughs> he did that all the time. Wow. We we sang a uh, you know this song Bilo by the Versatones. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's a great record. It's a great record. And do you know the lyrics to that one? Because well, no, we... no. Okay. This is a nobody story. does. <laughs> no, I know. I got a girl named Violet. That's all I know. <laughs> this is a true story. We went down to Wildwood, New Jersey. He called us up one day. Listen, I need some uh, guest stars. All right. Wow. I said, where yet? He goes, Wildwood, New Jersey. Now it's about 90 miles from where I'm at. So called a guy, hey, we'll get down to Wildwood, you know. Yeah, we'll get down. You know, Val was with us. <laughs> so we got, we got down there. And uh, I think we were doing a I think we were doing another song that we had on a dub, but uh we walk up to the side. This is one of Val's stories. We walk up to the side of the like the where you go in, like the stage entrance or something. And this guy goes, uh, where the hell are you guys going? You know, like you said, we're on leather jackets. Yeah, we're we're, here, we're singing here tonight. Val goes, we're singing here tonight. The guy goes, who the hell are you? He goes, you never heard of the Beach Boys? <laughs> <laughs> you know? He goes, hey, Frank. And he goes, va, 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 va. We went into Barbary. And <laughs> oh, man. Get the hell out of here. So we, we, we sang our song, True Story. Yeah. Lava comes down. He says, listen, he goes, you guys know Byla? So, yeah, we know. I mean, we dance to it all the time. He goes, all right, listen, I'm going to bring you on your diversitones. Bring you on as diversitones. 
we went on as the versatones. He said before we were the contenders, we were the versatones. <laughs> what were you singing? Violet. <laughs> played guitar like a little bit so she showed me little things too like um, I'm available I, I don't remember that record Marjorie Rayburn I'm available um, and my dad played harmonica so he, he had all the blues stuff down you know that old gang of mine sugar blues I was always you know I was always going in and out of my ear music Wow. And they never discouraged it. That, that's the great thing about it. They never, you know, I mean, I'm sure he wanted to take my Chuck Berry record and break it over to Radiator, but <laughs> he, ne he never did. And Little Richard, you know, those records, are, they're, st they're still, it sounds like they just cut them yesterday. Plus, yep. I had a, a group of big kids that, hang, that hung on my street, the real motorcycle people. They weren't a gang, but they had the real motors, the Harleys with the jackets and all. And they always had a radio outside. So I would hear stuff, you know, 17 and Gene Vincent. And I mean, before I even had 49 cents to buy the record. And I would hear that stuff and go, wow, man, that thing is so cool. You know, Ebopalula. I love yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I still love it. I, I play it on my show every once in a while. You know, I'm I'm on a doo-wop cafe and, and people they'll get on the chat room. Is this doo-wop? <laughs> I say it is somewhere, man. It is somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I tell people, look, it's great music. 
I mean, if you tell me you don't like it, that's one thing. But if you tell me it's crap, I don't want to talk to you because this is like great, great music. And those musicians that, you know, like Bumps Blackwell and all that behind Little Richard, those rhythm sections, you, you can't stand still. Are you yeah, kidding no, me? You can't, you can't beat that. Oh, my God. Then VJ had a great rhythm section. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they leaned on the same people all the time. And Motown just copied the same game. They got the core of, of musicians and just cranked them out. They're great writers. Yeah. Oh, well. You've been listening to a, a very special episode of Crashing the Party with our guest, Jack Strong, the Philadelphia legend. And um, I guess that's it for tonight. Well, it was a great. So say goodnight, Miriam. Oh, sorry. Good night, Miriam. <laughs> and thank you, Jack, very much for being our guest. My pleasure. Anytime you want to revisit, you're welcome on my Zoom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks Thank so much, God. Jack. God bless you both. All okay? right. You too. All Bye-bye right. Now. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jack. Bye. Yeah.